0: An ironic media production. Visit us at ironicmedia.com.
1: She had scratches on her back. And I asked her about it and she couldn't tell me. I'm pretty sure that they probably, and this is the painful part, was that they were probably physically not nice to her. The other part, in terms of my concern, what I know now I would call APS. The family was so enmeshed and we were not sure and strained our relationship, I was afraid to get the authorities involved.
0: Hello and welcome to Dementia Discussions, the podcast for and about caregivers. If you'd like to share your caregiving story with me, I'd love to hear from you. Please call me at 310-362-8232. Today my guest is Doria. I have known Doria for gosh 20 years at least and at the time that we started to know each other there were issues going on with Doria's dad and I just learned recently that Doria's mom had dementia. So with no further ado, Doria, welcome to the show. It's great to have you.
1: Good morning, Barb. Thank you so much for thinking of me and allowing me to tell my story.
0: Oh, absolutely. So glad you're here. Tell us about your mother. Okay. That's kind of a picture of her.
1: Her name is Jeanette. She was born in 1929. I started to take care of my mom with my sister after she had a major stroke. I think it was our Northridge earthquake not around that time. Sadly, my mom had a history of high blood pressure and cardiovascular disease. So she'd have a, this history going back to having her first stroke when she was 35. Hmm. And over time, I lived with her having strokes on a regular basis. At some point, my mom required a higher level of care, unable to live by herself. And also the apartment that she had been renting was red-tagged due to the earthquake. I think what happened too, is that when the earthquake hit, my mom had a stroke. From that moment on, my mom never went back to her home and was in multiple hospitals over a period of time. And at some point she required a higher level of care. And so the family decided that she would move up North and be cared for, or at least be supervised by my brother and his family, and my sister and I would drive up. We would alternate every three weeks and go care for my mom. This went on for a couple years, and caregiving was a a real issue. There weren't quality caregivers, or maybe I should say we didn't have a, a lot of resources, and this is in the Fresno area. So unlike being here in the city, we have lots of resources but we were very limited. And so sadly we ended up, we we just had to take what we could get and that didn't always work out. So part of this journey for me taking care of my mom was that I didn't realize that she had dementia with the repetitive questioning and the forgetfulness. It was clear to me that my mom was really vulnerable and unable to advocate or care for herself but I had really no idea that she had some memory loss as well as I was not aware of any of the social services to help us. So we were flailing around trying to figure out how to get my mom the best support as possible. The good news is that caring for my mom and being so limited in resources and and recognizing the need for them is what propelled me to go into this work at the age of fifty or whatever, I ended up, you know, going back to school to be a social worker and to work specifically with the geriatric population, which is can be incredibly rewarding. And it can also be it can tear on your heart when you get a, a sense of the services that be it your loved one or someone needs and those services aren't available to you because of money. So money I find is the biggest barrier to the support. And at the same time, money doesn't always guarantee you the best caregiver, but it does at least give you more options versus having nothing. As I said, that was why. That was one of the reasons that spawned me into this work, which for the most part I do enjoy. And not only was I, when I think about it, not only was I the caregiver for my mom, I was also the caregiver for my daughter's grandma. I supervised her care when she moved here from Florida, and that was probably my second introduction to caregiving, supervising the care of people that we love, trying to understand and navigate the resources, which are pretty complicated.
0: So you were a long-distance caregiver for your mom, Mm -hmm. who was up in Fresno, Mm -hmm. and your, I guess, mother-in-law at the time, Mm -hmm. she also had dementia?
1: Yeah, she's, yeah, she definitely, as I said, with my mom, I wasn't aware of her cognitive decline, but I could see it with Doris, but I didn't, I don't think I really knew, I didn't claim that she was just getting old. And so many of the things that I see with my clients now, I remember with Doris, how she would behave and pack her bags. because so She'd come out here uh, from Florida, so, you know, she was pretty confused and lost her safety net. There'd be days I'd go to visit her in an assisted living and she'd have all of her bags packed. She said, I'm going, I'm ready to go now. That's that part where she was forgetting that she wasn't where she was, but she needed to go back to where she was. And so I feel very fortunate to have taken care of both of them. What a blessing to help me understand a little bit more about this
0: disease. Did your mom finally get diagnosed with dementia?
1: No, she didn't.
0: She never did.
1: She never did, but so I
0: it's In retrospect, that you realize she had dementia.
1: Yeah, in re- in retrospect, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So, for example, she would say things. I would go up, and we like to cook, and I'd always cook her some something special every weekend. And so, I would be in the kitchen cooking, and I could see her through this little hole in the wall—not a hole, hole, but like a little little opening that could see through to the living room. And she'd be sitting there, and she'd say. I'm hungry. And I'd say, Ma, give me a second. And she said, okay. And she'd wait another second. She says, I'm hungry. And then I'd, Ma, I'll, I'll be with you in a second. And then she'd say, I'm hungry. And i say, we already ate. And, she, <laughs> and she'd say, well, I'm still hungry. Feed me. And so I think that was part of that, that piece of not being able to regulate. But when I think about it, I said, that was her dementia. You know, mm-hmm. feed me. Oh, you fed me already? What's your name again? Those kinds of things.
0: That caught you like off guard? Would you be like, mom, it's me.
1: Some of it was just comical. Some of it, you just had to laugh. You couldn't make these stories up. And some, yeah, absolutely, Barb. Some days it was funny and then some days it wasn't. But again, because there was such a lack of absence of resources that I didn't know how to go about getting them, that we were really walking through this by ourselves.
0: mm mm-hmm. So it was your sister who lived up there near her?
1: No, it was my brother. Yeah. And my my sister and I would drive up every three
0: weeks. Oh, I see.
1: So that she would have some coverage. And there might be one weekend where she didn't have coverage. But we would go every every other. Really, I think it worked out to almost like every other weekend, driving up and staying with her, like from Friday to Sunday night. And it would make her so sad, I think, about. How sad it would make her when I would leave. She would cry Mm. and ask me not to leave. And part of what I recognize now was that she was afraid of her caregivers. She didn't want to be left alone with them. Oh, goodness. That was it. Of course, she missed me and would be so happy to see me. But when we left, it was like she wasn't going to get the same kind of love and support. And that's probably been the hardest part for me is is acknowledging her pain. But at the same time, as I mentioned, what propelled me to do this work, it was a way for me to make peace with some of the things I didn't understand about her decline. I'm very clear about that, that it allows me to make this amends and pay it forward. Oh.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, goodness. So probably a lot of regrets about That time and just what you didn't know. You had no idea.
1: Yeah, I think that's the piece is that now that we're in this field, there's more that we know and we share this knowledge with complete strangers hired to do this work. It's useful for my own when I'm feeling certain ways myself, but in terms of having an elder, I don't have any more elders in my life to care for. My dad also passed away from different health issues. But the beautiful thing is to be able to share it with my daughter or with my girlfriends who call me about their parents and and people refer to me just for a little bit of insight. And so it is clearly useful, but in a more indirect way.
0: Yeah. So you can keep your mom's memory alive.
1: Yeah. So that work that I did was not in vain. This idea of what you don't know you know more than you can do more, but you're yep. so limited with whatever it is, you know,
0: and what a world of difference now But you have all this experience, all this knowledge, of course, you would have recognized her dementia,
1: mm-hmm.
0: of course, you would have gotten her to see a doctor for that. You would have done so many more things for her. Absolutely. And you're right. 20 years ago, it might not, it was more than 20 years ago.
1: My mom passed in, uh, I think she passed in 2000. So about 22 years, 20 years
0: ago. ago. Yeah, yeah, you would have done all sorts of things that probably weren't available 22 years ago.
1: Yeah, I don't think so. Even in terms of just medical care and what's covered, at that time, she was many and it covered everything. And Now you have to have a supplement and you can be an HMO, you can have any, you know, low income and you may be on an HMO. And as you get older, you need a, a much more comprehensive evaluation. And what I can see is that our elders don't always get that. And I think also, particularly in the African-American community, there's an absence of resources and services. So that ethnic and cultural piece has its own nuance to how we approach caregiving.
0: There's disparity there. Mm -hmm. Still barriers to work through.
1: For education, right? So if we die, all those things that, that we think are just what we do, I think so many of us are can be relatively naive about it. And then you find out, you go, oh my goodness, if I'd known that sugar was a factor or wheat was a factor or salt was a factor or exercise more, just having a positive attitude, those kinds of things really impact our wellness and our mm-hmm. overall health care.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. I do think that with your mom too, was that, was she aware of any of those lifestyle changes? that no,
1: could have done? really. I don't mm-hmm. think so. I think she would have been open to them if we had presented them to her, but I just flashed on that generation born in 1929 as a single woman with her kids. And there were just a lot of things you just didn't I think women probably didn't put the focus on themselves. They put the focus on their kids.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. So then as you get older, you're just an older person not focusing on yourself. You don't know how to do that because you've never done that before. So it's yeah. really interesting to look at behaviors that we've developed over the years, cultural behaviors, culture of women, culture of people of color, economic culture, the culture of so many things.
0: You're right. There is so much more focus now. Lifestyle changes, right? On diet and exercise that's talked about everywhere. Uh Different kinds of diets, all sorts of things. Uh Interesting that led you to this work today.
1: It is interesting. I would have never thought in a million years that I would have become a social worker. And then to take that work when you and I met in geriatrics and to now be doing private consulting. It's actually really beautiful to take all that skill set and capture it in a way that I can define how I want to work and who I want to work with and have some freedom. But it's all been it's been cumulative. It's been all the things that we've witnessed over the years, whether it's with our family or other families, watching them age. So it's now I'm at this point of so many decades of experience, lived experience that I can now apply to the work that I do.
0: Yeah, which makes it so much richer. It makes yeah. you so much more seasoned.
1: Absolutely. I was saying to someone the other day that hopefully as you get older, you are getting wiser.
0: Hopefully, <laughs> At least expanding your horizons. You said something interesting about your mom. Like you realize in retrospect, your mom was afraid of her caregivers. What yeah. was it that you were seeing? I know you were saying the fear Or the sadness when you left on Sunday.
1: Yeah. My mom, when she had that stroke, it left her with some speech impairment through the swallowing and her depressed mood and what have you. And so she was unable to always communicate in a full sentence. So it would be this broken sentence. And she, she was always trying to tell me like, those women, she'd say, and she'd point her finger. She just couldn't quite articulate it. There was that piece. I remember going to her house once, she had scratches on her back. And I asked her about it and she couldn't tell me. I'm pretty sure that they probably and this is the painful part, was that they were probably physically not nice to her. The other part, in terms of my concern, what I know now I would call APS. The family was so enmeshed and we were not sure and strained our relationship, I was afraid to get the authorities involved because my brother was overseeing everything. I was really afraid for him because I wasn't there enough. But in as I said, in hindsight, that was one of the other clues. And then there was an incident where she had been left alone and I wasn't there, but she'd been left alone for 24 hours. And the caregiver at that time had taken her car And I think she went out on a binge. And my mom, it makes my heart so sad. My mom was just sitting in this house waiting for this woman to come back. And the way that it was discovered was my brother had come over that weekend to mow the lawn. And while he was mowing the lawn, the police pulled up with the caregiver in the car.
0: Oh, goodness.
1: Yes. And then they went into the house and found my mom. Mm. So, talk about, I hadn't thought about that in a long time, how sad that made my heart.
0: Mm -hmm. So many
1: different levels. So many, just it was unbelievable. Yeah. And I really wanted to at some point bring my mom back to LA to be with me. Either I waited too long or she just was tired. So she just didn't want to do this anymore.
0: I'm so sorry to hear that story. You did the best you could with what you knew at the time.
1: We all did. That's the other thing is that families aren't always prepared for, for what this means. So you, part of that preparation is knowing that it might actually dismantle your family's relationships because everyone has got their own idea about how this could go, but they but no one has the information about actually the disease
0: that's the piece. And that you have your own life, right? So you're here in LA, your mother's up in Fresno. You can't just pick up and go and take care of her. You can't just pick her up and have her move in with you. That would have uprooted your career, let's say. I hear this so often. That families want to take their parent in with them, yeah. and it's people don't have room, they don't have time, they have their own families, their own careers,
1: and they don't have the money.
0: Yeah, or the money exactly. So these things are so challenging. I mean, mm-hmm. our hearts usually are so big, and what we want to do, what we wish we could do, and sometimes what we just can't do. Mm-hmm.
1: There's definitely a level of powerlessness and acceptance. We just keep trying to connect the dots in whatever way we can. I talk to so many family members who just don't have the resources, the financial resources. They have all the love and the heart and all those things. They just do not have the financial resources. And so the sacrifice, the economic sacrifice that happens, you, you can't Leave your job, maybe you can leave your job. Those are some really difficult questions, and there's no safety net,
0: yeah, that's exactly right. Most people cannot leave their job to take care of their parent. I'm sure you would have
1: I was in a position where I had a little bit more flexibility, so I could you know see her with a different type of frequency or you know I could schedule it the way I wanted, but yeah, absolutely if i could oh if I could go back and turn back the hands of time. Absolutely. My mom was young. I think my mom was like, I'm going to say she was probably in her early eighties when she passed away. I think that's young.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: I wish I I do wish she was here. I wish I wish that she was next to me because now I I think I understand more and I could certainly be more patient.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. I'm sure. Sounds like you guys had a tough road.
1: It was a tough road, Barb, you know, but as I said earlier, it's that this work for the greater good. I think I make a bigger impact now so that my mom's looking, watching me, and she always thought I'd make a good nurse. She'd you're mm-hmm. really such a good
0: nurse. And I'd say,
1: oh, no, mom, I'm only a nurse for you. Aww. I'm not going into nursing, although I love nurses. I love nurses. I love what they do. And yes, I would, I could. Be easily provide that kind of bedside manner. I provide that for my clients all the time. My clients love
0: me. I would love you at the bedside.
1: <laughs> I needed. <it. laughs> mm-hmm. Oh yeah,
0: absolutely.
1: People don't think about it. Washing someone's face with a warm towel. Mm-hmm. You'd be surprised. People don't get that. Let's wash your face. Let's warm your hands and. That's simple.
0: Right. That's simple.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. You know, a lotion, give you something to drink, offer you something. Um, yeah,
0: simple things.
1: Simple things.
0: Right. Not major caregiving. Just
1: We need more of that kind of a, a, a attentiveness.
0: Would you yeah. say you try to put people in touch with resources? If they're lacking financial resources, You're, you try to make them aware of maybe resources through the VA or through yes. the county you yes. know, any sort of scholarships that might be out there or yeah
1: yeah absolutely i think sometimes the pickle is you can give people resources and then they have you can, i don't give elderly people a resource because i need to take care of it for them or even elder aging children of elderly so the system is not easy to navigate. It's frustrating because you don't always know the questions to ask, and they're not giving you the answers. So you're, what you're saying is that I need help. And, what is, and oh, so I'm a dollar over. Oh, okay. over? Okay, I'm a dollar over? Let me readjust my numbers so that I'll be a dollar under. Those kind of just really fundamental things that can really change the trajectory of the care that someone receives.
0: Yeah, you're saying to be eligible for a particular service. Yeah,
1: that everything is so income-driven. Hmm. 22 years ago, government benefits were much different than they are now. Yeah. Nowadays, they, they really hardly want to give you much of anything. And it puts such a, a pressure on the families or the loved one or their or their aging spouse.
0: Yeah, no, it's true. And especially if you don't have the resources the pressure is tremendous.
1: I think there needs to be a shift in priorities because one thing that's really clear is for individuals, speaking of an elderly person that has a lived life, they've already paid into the system. They paid in so many different ways. And so now they need our support. They need the infrastructure support and the infrastructure says, oh, I'm sorry, you don't, you're not eligible
0: now. Yeah. Something's wrong. It's a broken system.
1: It is a broken system. So hopefully, collectively, maybe people will get together and and try to. I know that there there are a couple senior, in terms of taking care of elderly, people have taken huge home, and it's almost like the Golden Girls. One has their own place, and and they can look after each other. It's like this cooperative living for the aging. And then they become each other's caregiver to the extent that they can be.
0: Oh, that's a great idea. My thought was that the big places, like the big chain places, have one or two pro bono rooms.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, just one or two, like or very reduced rate rooms. Mm-hmm. I don't well,
1: know. I, if I'm not mistaken, 10% of all of these private, say, uh, assisted livings are a lot. They should be allotting that to someone of low income, 10%. And so that would be that one room.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: but yeah. I don't know if you are telling anyone about that. I had a friend who was aware of that and she was able to get into one of these higher end assisted living, but she had to really fight and, and pull them to the rug around, no, this is law. This isn't something that I am just asking you to do. Like you're beholden to fulfill this piece. And so she was able to get it.
0: Yeah. Good for you for really, for your mission of helping people who are underserved, who need you, who need to be educated, yeah. who need that love and support. And they get it from you. Oh, of course. Yes. Who better than you? Your mom was right. You would make a good nurse. And you make a great social worker.
1: <laughs> <Thank> <laughs> you. It is a calling. This is not a uh, you can't take a crash course. You mm-hmm. live in your heart or it doesn't. It's part of who you are, and we give from love, and we give because it's the right thing to do, and we give because we want to be treated that way.
0: I thank you for coming on today and talking to me about your mom and your mother-in-law.
1: Jeanette and
0: Doris. Jeanette and Doris. Thank you so much.
1: You're welcome.
0: Thank you for joining us today on another episode of Dementia Discussions. If you're a caregiver or know someone who's a caregiver that would like to be a guest on the show, please call me at 310-362-8232 or go to DementiaDiscussions.net forward slash contact and let me know. I would love to have you. Remember that you can follow Dementia Discussions on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts and many more. If you listen on Apple Podcasts, it would mean a lot if you would leave me a review. For any other information about this podcast, please visit me at dementia Discussions.net And please share this podcast with someone you know if you think it may help. Thanks again for listening, and I'll see you here again next time on Dementia Discussions.